Alrighty guys, welcome back to Brolosophy. Today, what we have for you is we have a great show, but before we rip into it, we just want to talk a little bit about our sponsors. So our sponsors are True Protein. So True Protein are a premium supplement brand in Australia. And if I had the chance to pick one provider, a supplement provider, then it would certainly be True Protein. They've been uh, partnered with the show for a long time now. They actually inquired um, with me about partnering back in the days of Adventure Fit. They wanted to give away a couple of holidays and, and so forth. And it was awesome because I've always loved what True Protein do. I've always loved them as a brand. I've always loved the people that they work with. Um, yeah, and when they reached out, it was a welcome surprise. It was awesome. Um, and we've been supporting each other ever since. So um, I don't get too heavily into supplements. I cycle on and off uh, creatine from time to time, but pretty rarely. Um, I do use a bit of protein and I do use some MCT oil um, from the guys. So, um, and I wouldn't go anywhere else. It, it's really awesome. So, um, but... You know, they've got absolutely everything. So they've got all types of protein powders, all types of uh, performance blends, um, all types of aminos and creatines, pre-workout, post-workout, carbohydrate form, uh, formulas, health foods, nut butters. They've got everything. So um, really, they're a one-stop shop for all your supplement needs Australia-wide. So if you want to score a sick discount, then head to trueprotein.com.au Use the code BRO at checkout and you'll get 10% off. We are also brought to you by Yeti. So guys, what is a Yeti? Yeti is a premium outdoor brand that's starting to make some serious noise in the Australian marketplace. Yeti has created a standard for coolers and the two hard cooler models, the Tundra and the Roadie, were at the forefront of their mission. Born out of a frustration with coolers that cracked, caved and gave up, Yeti has set out to improve three main elements, durability, extended ice retention, and weather resistance. So Yeti guys are a sponsor of Joe Rogan. So effectively, um, they're the best. That's all I'm going to say about that. So to learn more about Yeti, jump online at au.yeti.com forward slash bro and don't look back. Also, guys, last but not least, we are brought to you by Athena. So head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and you'll see all of our uh, virtual assistant services. So how it works, guys, is basically you would send an inquiry to us, say, hey, I've got a team. Um, we're, we're growing and expanding. I need some help in... Um, I need some administrative help to get some tasks off my plate. Um, I want an SEO writer because I want my Google rank to improve. I want a content producer because I want to create awesome videos and, and, and uh, imagery to give value to our community. Whatever it is, you'll make an inquiry with us. Uh, we'll walk you through a live demo. If it's a fit for your business and it's a fit for us, then we'll go out and we'll find the right person to plug into your business and we've got such highly overqualified people ready to go at all times. It's just, it's really taking the piss. So how it works with us guys is, um, so I'll tell you a few of our team members internally at Athena. So this is, you know, people that work directly for us. We have myself, Mads and Drew. So we're the directors, we're the, uh, we're the partners. So I'm CEO, Mads is CFO, Drew's head of growth. And then some of our team members. So these are all team members that we have from... Uh, 
our own recruiting pipelines in Argentina, Venezuela, Philippines, Peru. Uh, we have Aaron, who's IT and tech. He's a weapon. Um, he's as good as anyone you'd pay $100,000 for in Australia. Vicky's our social media manager. She's, she's great. Ricardo is a media producer for us. Ricardo is a professional level media producer. So he's studied film production at the University of Buenos Aires. Mike, business development. He heads up our outreach department. He's in Venezuela. Ed, graphic design, weapon. Jose, account man accounts manager. He's actually um, Vicky's dad. Uh, Jan, business development manager. Massively, Jan's a practicing law, uh, lawyer. Um, and he works with us on the side. Matthias is a media producer for us as well. Matthias is a graduate of audio video productions. Um, so another, another professional media producer. Maria, uh, success manager, client success manager. So basically what I've done there is we've got, uh, I've outlined three internal staff directors in Australia and nine offshore team members that just, you'd pay, you'd pay, you'd pay big money for these guys, their skills. And through us and through our packages, you know, for, for a business, it's a way more cost-effective solution for small business and you'd probably pay a third of what you would market value, a third or maybe a quarter of what you would pay market value in, uh, in your, you know, hiring someone in your host country. And it really helps these guys because um, a, lot of the, a lot of the economies that they're coming from aren't really booming, so it gives them uh, really great employment and, and, uh, and yeah, a, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And um, yeah, and it helps small businesses grow. So if you're interested in growing your team with us, head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and use the code BRO in the inquiry form and you'll get 20 hours free. Alternative, ooh, alternatively, you can email me directly, doc at athena.co, and uh, we can pick up the chat from there. Here's the show. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. So I'm here with Peter Dixon today. Um, Peter's an award-winning filmmaker, uh, Dixon Films, and um, yeah, just here to talk about yeah your um, you know passion for what you do and, and, and how that came about. So why don't you tell um, tell a little bit about yourself, Peter, and kind of yeah, who is Peter Dixon? Who is Peter Dixon? <laughs> um, Open up with a big one, always. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> in terms of what I do, filmmaking um, started back in the late 1990s, um, purely based on my brother Rob, who, mm -hmm. who uh, I'm from, I'm one of six kids in the family, so, um, and Rob was f funnily five years older than me, um, but for some reason we were the sort of the closest, yep. and so we both had various, we left school and had various sort of jobs, uh, I won't go into that history, but um, 
but Rob always had a passion for filmmaking growing up. So he used to have the Super 8s out and mm -hmm. splice them up and, um, <coughs> and love that. So I used to love just watching what he did yep. growing up. Plus there's the added factor of you're the brother, young brother. So, yeah. you know, he's always idolising yeah, straight sure. away. So, um, so as it turned out, we got through in, to, into the late 90s and um, there was a few circumstances that happened that Rob was... Rob played at Hawthorne mm -hmm. for a little bit, then he got traded to Brisbane and then he ended up being a runner mm -hmm. for, for Brisbane. And then he was always in the footy world and respected in the footy world. Everyone loved him in, in the footy world. So he started to, to do a few uh, with Hawthorne behind the scenes kind of little films. Like mm -hmm. he was actually... We, we, he put a D, uh, not a DVD back then, it was a VHS out, but he, <laughs> he, he actually had a VHS called Good for Footy, which I think was his first real crack at a narrative of a story. Yeah. And the story was their trip away. Yeah, right. And they went to... Um, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So they Jeez. went to... Risky. Yeah. And back in the <laughs> Being day... Being a footy player back in the day. Yeah, 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 oh, okay. yeah. And, ba and back in the day, Hawthorne, those guys were out of control. So... So when was this? 90s, late 90s? This would have been... No, no, no. The footy trip stuff, the filming he did was uh, 88, 89, oh, yeah. 87. That's sort oh, of when era. they were in their prime in um, competitively yeah, too, yeah. yeah. So they flew... And so he, he took <coughs> footage behind the scenes of their trip to London, Miami, all... Because they used to do this exhibition game tour yeah, after yeah, the yeah. grand final. Gotcha. Um and because he was a player at the time, the, the, they let him in. So there's, there's just nudity everywhere. Right? <laughs> and, and Blake's out of control. But and it's not to do with actual games of football. Nothing to do with footy. <laughs> but, um, and, and, and interviewing blokes behind the scenes and like dippers in the showers, walking around nude, interviewing blokes. And, and like, so all this stuff we had, we had back in the day. So he put it together and, and, and tried to sell it to the Hawthorne membership as good for footy in this. And for what it was, it was fantastic. But... Um, it was groundbreaking in a sense that no one really had done that in footy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and just with his humour and, and the way he put it together, the, the players all loved it. I mean, Dermot said to me not long ago, Dermot said, uh, did he make any money out of that? And I said, no, no, he didn't make any money. <laughs> Dermot's going, because I still should get some royalties because like, Dermot's nude and all sorts of um, But yeah, so that, that, that was where he started and then he sort of kept pushing it further. And then so we, we sort of, long story short, joined forces end of the 90s my, my memory's horrendous but um around 99 2000 we decided i convinced him to come back to melbourne he was living in brisbane on yeah. the gold coast with his um soon to be wife so i said look let's have a crack at it we'll start a business and we called it hush productions because mm -hmm. we we used to um <laughs> go insane going to the cinema we used to love going to the cinema again watching flicks and um, yeah and if people were eating around us we used to we just couldn't stand <laughs> can't yeah. understand why people do that and um so we like hush was something that we sort of as an in joke so we yeah, sort, yeah. Of, sort of named it hush productions and and the reason we we got off to a we the reason we could get it off the ground at all is because we rob's relationships with the afl and the afl pa at the time uh, and drew demetrio had played with rob yep so he was CEO of the AFLPA at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and back then, when, when you have a crack at making a feature documentary, there was tax breaks and there's mm -hmm. not that anymore. Yeah. Um, so through their influence, through their support, we managed to uh, get up the concept of 
passion to play, which was we interviewed about 200 past and present players. Mm-hmm. Right in Rob's wheelhouse. They, most of them knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I look back at it now and it was really groundbreaking in a sense that we did that because no one had really done that to mm-hmm. the extent. There was a few people who'd done a few history of footballs and there were some interviews here. But the way we did it, or the way Rob did it, because I was just a lackey. Yeah, I was yeah. just on his coattails. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, they, officially my role was line producer. But um, you were just coffee boy. I was coffee boy, <laughs> and, I, I, and I, was, I was the admin assistant, really. Yeah, and yeah. I was doing things like so. How old are you this time? Oh God, how old was I then? Sort of late twenties, I think, yep. mid to late twenties. Yep. Um, I was going to say you sound about twenty-five. Yeah, at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about right. And then so so then I so. And basically, I was essentially the production manager, really, because so yep. it was only me and Rob, and, and so I would organise interviews, ring all the blokes and all that sort of stuff and, and sort out the time. So my grounding in, in, in this, in what I do now, was really at the, at the bottom end, mm-hmm. which I think is so beneficial because yeah. both of us weren't classically trained filmmakers, yep. uh, um, which, which you find a lot yep. in filmmakers. You've either sort of got the feel for it and that or you don't. Yeah, um, it's creative. It's creative. So, so what we, we both sort of fell into this. I knew he was really good at it. Um, I did not expect or think I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's eventuated is a, is a mixture of my suppressed sort of stuff that because Rob was always over me and, and, and I always considered the guru, I was mm-hmm. never really game to... Mm-hmm. To, to, to throw my thoughts yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You didn't want to step up because you felt like... Ben, yeah. little, little brother syndrome, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a bass player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it, and it bass took, players still get chicks sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took a while to, um, to get out of that. But more than happy, you know, with, with, with the support role. But So we got the passion to play up. Took us 18 months. Pretty much earned nothing mm-hmm. i mean really we both earned nothing but what it enabled us to do was 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 buy some gear and set up our our studio mm-hmm. um and back then cameras were you know everything was ridiculously expensive yeah for, for good stuff 10 grand um, 20 grand for a only for a only last weekend i was at my dad's who stored a lot of my stuff under his house um and there was some of our old first cameras and there's massive and i'm opening them up there's dust everywhere <laughs> yeah and dad's gone on would these be worth anything? I said, Dad, nothing. Like, they're, they're just he goes, they look so expensive. I said, well, they were. So he put it on eBay and he got $102. Oh, there you go. So he was pretty Facebook happy. Facebook marketplace. Um, but yeah, so that, that enables, and then we sort of went on from there. So what, what, what happened from there is um, we set up a building in Richmond. We sort of, um, we, we got the contract to do the AFL Hall of Fame mm-hmm. work, which was at the QV building. And that was this massive undertaking and, and unfortunately that went broke. It was just, I think, in the wrong place. So what do you mean Hall of Fame work? Was that for every year when the ongoing Hall no, of Fame no. inductees? Or? That was the AFL had, had, um, and another private company had set up an interactive Hall of Fame in oh. the centre of Melbourne. Oh, full on. Yeah, so it was massive. So we, had, so, so we produced all the screens, yep. did, did the whole thing. Um, what, so, was this like a headphones on guided tour like kind of stuff or you would go and there was screens that were playing screens you'd walk into a, yeah. like a real life dressing room and sit there and listen to coaches and oh really yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that would have been sick yeah it was, it was unbelievable yeah and, right and, and Rob 
Rob's creativity in, in creating, um, there was this grand final theatre where, and he had a lot of footage on the ground and stuff. It was astonishingly good. Um, problem was, I think in the end, it was, in a, it was in a bad spot in the city which people couldn't really access. Where was it, did you say? Um, it, was in the, it was in the middle of the city. It was a QV mm-hmm. building. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, That's deep in the city, it's, isn't it? It's deep. Hard. Yeah. I, I got a, one of my co-working spaces was in QV and yeah. I was in Port Melbourne. Getting in there was major. Well, it was also a private enterprise running it, not the AFL. The AFL gotcha. backed it. Yeah. So, so anyway, that, that sort of... So, so we... And we had built up a bit of a team. I think by one stage we had about 20 people working with us and... Full on. So we were doing that. We were doing some other small things. We did a lot of work for clubs. Did mm-hmm. a lot of work... Um, for, you know, for Spud, for all, Spud was a great mates with Rob and then mm-hmm. we did a lot of stuff like that for, he was coaching Richmond at the time. Mm-hmm. So, so we're sort of doing a lot of footy work around the scenes, but then we did a, a Croft doco, um, a number of other things. And what happened is we just started getting to the point where the QV, all that went broke. Mm-hmm. So we were owed a lot of money that, and when people go bust, you don't get yeah, the right thing. So we had to let people luck. off and it was a really hard time for us. Um, How much did you lose? Are you we, we comfortable? Lost heaps. Yeah. No, mm. we lost heaps. Um, so so, so what, what, what we sort of had to do was go, okay, we're you know, letting people off and, and with project work, if you don't have something lined up, it's really difficult. So, yeah, for sure. And I reckon at about that point, Rob and I were getting, because it had been an intense five or six years of really full-on, it was almost time that we just had to have a little break. Yeah. Um, so what we decided to do was was peel it back. I took a chance to go overseas with my wife, who was a doctor who had a rotation, and we mm-hmm. had two little kids just to sort of have a year yep. out and look after the kids. So, so we kind of went our separate ways, and I was ready to do that at that <coughs> point because I had developed and was more confident in myself yep. and doing my own work. So... Um, but in saying that, we were doing different things, but same things and speaking the same amount of time every day and, <laughs> you know, um, sh- sharing work. Yeah. It was just under two different, which worked out well because when you're brothers and you're trying to separate income together and stuff, it's really difficult, you know, yeah. if, if one feels they've done more than the other. Oh, yeah, things. for sure. So, and it's the most important relationship to you apart from probably your wife or as, as much as probably, you know, it's family. No doubt. And he was one of my, yeah, at that point. Right, right in at the top. So yep. we, as brothers, we worked out how to negotiate through those things. But so then we sort of moved moved on. But then I came back from came back from Ireland, and Rob was in uh, a little office that he'd set up in Glenfrey Road because he had while he while I was away, he was working on the essence of the game. Mm-hmm which is another big feature AFL documentary mm-hmm. and just getting towards the end of it. And I came back and he said, I'll come in and um, use some space in here. And it was, we, we decided to sort of get back, join forces again. We'd had our break. And mm-hmm. so I helped him a little bit with the back end of that, but not really. He, he, it was his project and I let him, and I was doing some other stuff around. So yep. and then we were about to, <coughs> We were, he was in this little. It was above an Indian shop. It was, it was like it was like working in Bombay. It, <laughs> yeah, was, a, right. it was hot. No aircon. Get down for some. Uh, get down uh, for some, oh, some lunch and smell, every day. And it was just <laughs> yeah. the most oppressive place. Yeah. Um, it would have been really great for about three days. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> and then really frustrating oh, after well, that. And he had the most. He had the most. 
ridiculous aircon system he, he'd rigged <laughs> that came from outside. And, <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, came straight from the Indian yeah, shop. Yeah, <laughs> and it was falling apart. And oh, the other thing it did is it was security was a nightmare because, you know, no windows. One thing about Rob is security was appalling. Like, we, we got robbed five times in six days. What? Five yeah. times in six in days? One of our offices early. <laughs> because he just so, <laughs> so the bandits are like, yeah. let's, let's go back and no, try no, again. Let's just and keep, let's and then they're like, going. fuck, these guys have got no That's idea. That's right. And the, co- the, the, cops, the cops were baffled because yeah. they're like... Baffled at you blokes. Because, no, no, baffled because they're going, how do they keep running? But the, Rob just left doors open. And, and windows. Yeah, right. It's just hopeless. Um, <laughs> But oh, that's uh, funny. and it was fu- and, and not uh, back then though. We, we, yeah, we used to have to. Um, <laughs> that's the stupidest thing ever. To, we used to have to lock. We just have to lock things to the ground because, because <laughs> yeah. we just knew that those screens were yeah. going. Yeah. yeah, right. Uh, just hide them. Put a box over yeah. that camera. That was that was in that was in an office. That was, that was in an office, a little office down in Walmer Street, which is right on the Arrow. So it was perfect for any thief because they could just come straight off the the woods. The <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, oh, I digress. What was I saying? So, so then I came back, and and what happened then was, and this is where everything took a major turn. Was Rob um, was married and had a couple of gorgeous little boys. So they went on on a holiday to South Africa. Yep. And um, subsequently, car accident. Him and his two sons died in South Africa, and yeah, his wife survived, and she's back here now. But so yeah, know, your world mm. falls apart. So everything was like, what do we do now? And so that was in two thousand and nine. It's ten years. It was yep. ten years last year. Um, so that was the early beginnings of what I do and mm. work-wise. So. Do you mind talking about that a little bit, or um, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I've got one brother, and uh, <clears throat> he's um, yeah, I've got one brother, no, no, no other brothers or sisters, and he's eight years younger than me, and he, um, he, I remember, remember MySpace. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I remember on his MySpace, they used to have friends, favorite songs, whatever, and used to have like a little bio. And in his bio was something, 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 something. My hero is my big brother, Bill. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was always like super proud about that. And I always kind of, yeah, I tried to always be a really good brother and, and, you know, try and, well, put it this way. The roles are reversed, really. Like I fucking absolutely, I've always, he's my favorite person on the planet by, by a country mile. And now... Like, I've fucked up so much stuff in the last five or ten years. I'm not, I'm cool. Like, I'm happy with myself, whatever. But I so much admire my brother, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, yeah, for me, it's my worst, worst nightmare. And obviously, you had to go through that. So, like, what was that? How was, how was it trying to get through that situation? Uh, I'm still not through it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, initially, because it was such a tragic uh, event and there was so much trauma, myself and my dad and my, one of my older brothers went over to South Africa immediately and, you know, I, I had to do things like identify the body. It was mm, just horrendous. Um, and so initially, and I'm a very emotional person, so, um, uh, so initially... 
I was a mess, but I had to sort of hold it together a bit because there was... And the reason we, we kind of did initially, I think, or the strength... Sort of, I think you're in shock, but the, the strength comes from... The, his wife was alive. Mm. So you kind of throw all your support there. Yeah, I you mean, have to be strong No for matter that. what you think you're going through, it's... You know, she's just lost her two sons. So um, that was all... Yeah, it was just horrible time. So we came back and um, and then I had to organise in conjunction with the AFL. They helped immeasurably. I had to do a big um, organise a uh, memorial, which was like you know it was ridiculous how many people it was. It was massive in the city, mm-hmm. and so I sort of for that first period went did did all that, which kept me busy, mm. and then I just hit. Uh, yeah, I just hit a brick wall because you know yeah. I'm, not only not only am I losing my best friend uh, you selfishly you, you sort of think well what am I going to I'm going to miss that but but the other thing is you think well, well in terms of professional sense what am I going to do mm. because uh, even though I was doing a lot of independent work I, he always was there so yeah. I, had, I had he had my you back you lost him as a rock as in a professional yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I would and show him everything rock, you know guess. and I would talk to him about you know just an idea is that going to work no and, yeah. and, he, and to this day and maybe it's my stubbornness but <coughs> I still I still haven't found anyone close to mm. him in in a professional sense of what is good or, or bad or what mm if I'm doing a, a good job here or a good job there or whatever, mm-hmm. he he would just nail it all the time. And that's yep. because we were so similar. Yeah. Had the same likes, dislikes. And then the way we craft things was exactly the, like... So, yeah, so we spent that, your life together. That's understandable. Yeah. So we, what we liked, we liked what we didn't. So, so yeah. and what I think what that did is it almost gives you a self, uh, a, a bit of a, you know, your self-awareness is probably lacking a little because... Um, once he he gone and I haven't quite found that it's not to say everyone else is wrong yeah you know I I could be wrong most of the time but I I just stick to my guns and and do what I think feels right Um, you're probably also a little closed off to on a professional sense to others coming in and because you you had had you had had your guy Mm. and the person that you shared probably the most (laughs) you know, the most wavelength, like you, you did your childhood together and then creatively or whatever. So I would assume that, and I don't know what it's like now, but I would assume that you'll probably never find someone that you'll think is up to your brother's oh, I've, standards. I've come to the point I won't. Yeah, yeah. and even if, even if somebody creatively was that, you probably would never see it. You would probably be shut off to it. And you're like, yeah, you're really good, but you're not my brother. I don't know. I feel yeah, like... Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. And yeah. I think I've met <coughs> numerous people like that. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I do shut that out. Yeah. And I've—it's uh, a bit personal, but I've—I have had to deal with a few things in the last few years in terms of I, I didn't really do a lot of counselling, didn't deal with a lot of things, and I and I have tried to um, last few years, which has brought a lot up. So it's maybe more self-aware. Yeah. Um, I, I think as I'm getting older, I'm getting a bit more attuned to the mindfulness and yep. and how how my past has affected what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I think I'm improving, mm-hmm. but, but you're right. I, I have pushed people away and, mm. um, you know, and, and I think, I think the, the crutch I lean on with that is 
I, I justify that by I Rob wouldn't have liked that either. Yeah. So to me that that that's that's the answer. Yeah. But it's not it's not really. So I've had to sort of grow out of that a bit. Yeah. But but as time's gone on and I've done and it's funny because the other day someone said to me because I've got a new website up and not a new one but I've I filled it with a lot of the stuff Rob did not done. Yep. Um and I someone was looking through it and said, "Geez, you've you've now You've, you've done now done heaps more films than Rob did. Yeah. But that was always going to happen. Yeah. Because he's time. not here. But yeah. that was the first time I thought, oh, shit. And that was the first time I actually thought, wow, I have actually done more now. And, and I've improved. So I've, you know, I'm getting to the point now where I think, and, and oh, it's hard to say. I think that I had a couple of years ago an opportunity to do some Australian cricket stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Step out of the footy bubble mm-hmm. and... That for me was the breakaway. That was mm-hmm. that was my breakaway from Rob, and that, yeah. was, that was really my own. Yeah. So so from that point, I've sort of, and that's when, it, ironically, I started seeing getting some chat. I think from then I cleared it. Mm-hmm. I cleared the professional element. Yeah. Yep. Um, and now I don't carry that baggage as much yep. professionally. Personally, though, I'm I'm still all over the shop with with, with not having him around. He could walk in. He could walk in here. Then this is how I feel about it. He could walk in here, and it would be like he has never gone. Mm. Like I, it, it's that close to me that that it, like I'd almost say you wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't feels be surprised, so, yeah. and, and and we would pick off, you know, where we left. Yeah. Pick up where we left off. It's yeah. it's um, it's really difficult to explain that. And I, and only recently I've been having a lot of dreams about him as well, which. And it's funny when you analyse him, he's always there somewhere. It, it could be a nightmare dream, but he'll be the one that'll sort it out. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, you don't have to be a psychologist. Subconsciously, he's still your man. He's always going to be your man, I guess. And, 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 and that's been to the detriment to, to, my, to the rest of my family, yeah. to, be, to be fair. Like, everyone, everyone loved him in our family. He was the glue. So they've all got, it's not just me, all yeah. I got, one sister and three other brothers still here who feel exactly the same way as I do yeah. um, in their own ways with their own relationship with him. Yeah. Mum's passed away. Dad's still here. Dad's, he was dad's golden child. So yeah. dad... Was he the oldest? No, Rob was, Rob was fourth yep. in line. So you're the youngest? No, I've got a younger brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Fifth. Yep. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so dad's still, you know, I think dad's still mourning Rob's mm. loss. Um mm. And he will till he till he dies, but yeah. So, yeah, fuck no. no I'm so that's a heavy. Nah, but it's you know, it is life, and yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that, and always and will always be going through it. I guess it is, but you know, it's like the, you know, people make such a such a strong impact in what they do in life, and there's always going to be a few people that it's never then their lives are never going to be quite the same you know and um your brother sounds like a great man so um so as far as the work you have done in the last couple of years you talked about mindfulness and so forth like what has it actually been that's helped you kind of clear it and 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 not move on because you you don't really want to i guess or or like just sit with it better and be a get through the days a bit easier uh that first that first five years uh following I did. I was went in and did a lot of work with the AFL. Um, 
and my whole focus was just continuing Rob's legacy yep. in that. Yeah. Um, so I was so driven manically. Yeah. You know, and I was working ridiculous hours and and not sleeping and and the whole focus was that I couldn't let him down. Yeah. Which I look back now and go, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and but it it spawned from well reaction some great work, mm. but. If that's what takes the great work, I don't recommend it. Yeah, for sure. It's not um, healthy. But uh, so my balance was it was out. Like, mm. I mean, and we were having we had young kids, and um, my wife's a doctor on call, so life was hectic. Morning, you know, and I, I was not emotionally well. Mm. But I'd be home with the kids, and I'm not really home with the kids. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and I and I felt. My, my comfort was, you know, creating... In the work. Making films and yep. um, crafting and stuff like that. So, and that's where my mind would escape Rob. Yeah. So that's where things have changed. Um, so, I, and I had to get out of that. I had to break away from that. I, I, I had a, not a breakdown, but I, I, one night I just woke up um, and I was just shaking uncontrollably. And it was like... I had no idea. I was frightened. And I said to my wife, and she tried to calm me down. But it was, it was, it was a really, it was an eye, it was a, I sort of had to wake up to what's going on with my body. Mm-hmm. So my nervous energy and my, um, my brain wasn't switching off. I hadn't slept well for years. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> so she just, she just demanded. I, so I went and saw the GP and, and I was, I was sort of, they just sort of had the whole gamut. They said, look, you haven't dealt with, mm. it's all just come to a head. Your body's, yep. your body's been on adrenaline. Yep. You, we need to pull it back. So I, then I started speaking to someone and what, what happened was I realized that sleep, uh, depression, um, anxiety, the whole thing was all, I, I was just a bubble of, yeah. and, and it exploded in that, in that shaking, which, uh, they they said was was very lucky that wasn't anything worse because I, I I was um, and I, I've never Fucking I've up. never had that I mean I've had some health issues with my kidneys as a kid and stuff but that was that was I just could not control it yeah. so I look at mental health issues these days and I ha- I have such affinity for what they're going through because yeah. you know I I know I was one in the past going you'll be right you know yeah but, but you, 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 when it becomes a physical oh, manifestation yeah. you can't 100%. control it so. I got some help, got some help there, and 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 steadied, and then learnt ways to, and had some medication to try to sleep. So once I started sleeping, the whole world seemed to change a bit. Yeah. Like I seemed to, when I was getting help and I was talking about things, when I had a little bit of medication to help sleep, everything sort of started to change. That's again. interesting. And I started to to get healthier. I think mm-hmm. um, things that were were really important to me. I, at the point where I was just like, well, really? Does it really matter? Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, help you prioritize things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. It's interesting you talk about sleep, uh, just, just to jump in there yeah. for a second, because I was listening to a um, five-minute podcast today. It's called Business Business Wars Daily, and they do a daily... They, it's a regular podcast, full-length 30-minute shows, but they do a daily one, five-minute snippets. And they talked about Casper... <coughs> Casper mattresses in the US, who Koala mattresses in Australia is modelled off, mm-hmm. um, and they, 
are going for like another. Oh, they're going for an IPO, mm-hmm. and um, they're you know they want to raise through the IPO like five hundred mil or something like that because um, they're pushing into not only mattresses but all sleep related stuff. So this cat, this mattress company is going into MCT oils to pr- um, help sleep, sleep trackers, this and that, this that and the other, because um, they've been pouring money into research around sleep, and it was interesting because Casper believed that the next um, health revolution will be around sleep. That, that, they reckon that in, um, they're putting all their money into all these other bits and pieces because they reckon that it, there's, it's going to be um, diet, fitness, well, that's supposed to be fitness, and sleep. You know, because we don't think about sleep. No. People never have. No. And I read a book recently called um, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. It was really dense the first probably quarter of it. I'd listened to him on a couple of podcasts and I knew I just wanted to hang in there because I wanted to get the information in my brain, but it was quite, it, it shouldn't, it should have opened up with narrative, <laughs> denseness, yep. narrative, you know, yeah, but it was yeah. just fucking dense right yeah, off, the, yeah, off yeah. the bat. Yeah. But I pushed through and I pushed through and it was one of the most fascinating books and it was epic because it showed all these graphs and charts around like, you know, five hours sleep, six, seven, eight, nine, nine's, you don't want to go more than nine, then no, it starts, starts no. to be diminishing returns. Yeah. But it's like, Average income, rate of perceived wellness, happiness—you know—all these biomarkers per can hour. track from five hours all the way up to nine hours. They track in a linear progression, wow. basically. It was fascinating. So that's interesting. Sorry to jump in there, but I'm yeah. I'm, I'm big on sleep myself now. Yeah. And I think yeah. Well, so once you got we, your sleep, well, we, we we as a society we've we, you know we've lauded <coughs> someone who goes I only need three hours a night. Yeah. And I get up and I do that, and you go wow how do you do that? Yeah. Um, what a legend. Yeah, yeah. But I I was I was in bed um you know from eleven or ten or eleven or whatever till seven. But that's that's not resting if you're not sleeping. That's right. And I was tossing and turning and thinking yep. and look at my phone and yeah. oh, you know and write stuff down that's yeah. a, that's a problem i have if i have an idea or, you know and yeah. it's like oh god um but i now i'm i'm a i'm a disciple of it yeah. I, I i and i if i if i have a period where i'm struggling i will get back on a, on prescribed a little bit of get myself to sleep because yep. if i can get myself to sleep i'm okay it's, and is um, that pharmaceutical or um yeah yeah yep, yep, gotcha. yep. um but but to, to, and I had to, they had to put me on a, a heavy dose to get me to sleep yep. initially. Yep. Um, get the and that was all back. grief. And, um, but that helped a lot and I got off that. But, so the mindfulness for me is, you know, I need to start. There's simple things that, I mean, I'm not a... I'm not a um, Self-development guru. Yeah, <laughs> a disciple to it at all. But, yeah, yeah. but, but what, I, what works for me, and I think everyone has their own way, is, is just to stop, to, to, to breathe, to... Um, uh, just sometimes just close your eyes and just 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 try to and, and I don't meditate or anything but just mm-hmm. just get yourself in a, a place where you can even if it's for 10 minutes a day and what it's done for me in terms of the creative and crafting is it's is I would get into crafting a film at the back end in production and I'd be editing and and you know yeah the whole bit when you say crafting because you've said it a couple of times that's just actually putting the pieces together. So, yeah, yeah, pre yes. or post, like yeah. So I'm I'm a very big um, I'm very big at the back end, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and and for me and and Rob, it was always, and this is where we probably differ from a lot of the mainstream uh, filmmakers. Is I I really need I'm not a I, I can't follow a script and write. Yeah, I can't. You want to see that. what comes to you, yeah, and then yeah. make the narrative from that yeah, kind and, of, and, oh, yeah. and which makes it difficult when I'm pitching as well. Because and thank, <laughs> thankfully I'm now at a point where people trust what they'll get yeah but i find that totally 
waste of time. Yeah. I'm sure you've got to have your boundaries and what, you, what yep. you're aiming at. Yeah. But in terms of specifics of what's going to happen in Seg 1, 2, it's yeah. just ridiculous. You don't know what's coming. No. And, yeah. and, and I, I understand people work like that and they have to do that. But for, for us, it's, it's a really free-flowing feel. Yeah. So I, I, need to cr- I need to be on the suite. I need to be throwing shots here, throwing shots there. I need to, you know, it's, it's like a jigsaw for me. And, mm-hmm. I, and I need to think music. And so I call it crafting because yep. that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. Yep. But what, I, used, what I, I did a lot was in that process... <laughs> You know, I've got stand-up desks and yep. suites and stuff, but uh-huh. but I'd find I'd be I'd be you know so into it, yeah. and and what happens is your shoulders, you know, you get all you get all bent <laughs> up, tense. right? Yeah, yeah. And then you you like that for six hours, and, <laughs> yeah. and you go, "I had lunch." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then you walk, you're walking out, you know, like so. I had I, I still have massive neck and arm and shoulder issues. Yeah. So all that. I've learned to just to pull back. It's mm. because I think I think I think you got to go really, 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 really hard to get. And I think this is a lack of confidence I had through the last twenty years. But yep. really, really hard. I have to do ex- anything I possibly can to get that final point where it's perfect. Yeah. But I've I've just learned that. I don't think anything can be perfect. Yeah. So um, if I'm happy with the flow of it now, I'll take my time a little bit more and I'll, yeah. I'll relax. Um, you know, if someone doesn't quite like, you know, I, when I did the Forge in Fire doco, I, I sort of went with, you know, the, the, the past players were, it became a fuck fest. Yeah. You know, and it was really naturally beautiful to me that these guys who would normally sit in front of a camera and go, say the same things, say the same things, finally just unloaded on yep. camera. Yeah. And that was because they were, everyone else wasn't they were comfortable and, mm-hmm. you know, they, and, and what happens then is like, it's like we're talking now. It's just, yep. the, it's just, it's just what people want to see. Yeah. So I had to make that decision to run with, with that and got, you know, 85% of the public ate it up. But then yep. there's a 15% who are going, that's just out of order. Yep. The, my son can't wait. Well, it's not made for your son. <laughs> yeah, five years that's old, right. You know? And it's no, <laughs> it's no point arguing, but um, in the old days, if I'd done something like that, I'd be like, "Who's? is there one person, there could be 10,000 articles about how good it is and yeah. one that's not and I would stress on the one yeah, that's yeah, not. Yeah. I couldn't give a stuff about the 10,000. Yeah. That's sort of yeah. my nature. Yeah. So I've, I've had to try to calm <clears throat> all that down and, and you know, work through it all and I think I've got to the point of getting older where it doesn't, it doesn't really matter yeah. you know because especially with documentary films you are flavour of the month for a month yeah. it comes out um, you know you have all the press and you have a, you might have a screening you everyone you know your flavour of the month mm. five weeks later it, it's, it's gone yeah. it's like fish and chip yeah. Yeah. You might, it might be rest somewhere on a site but there's always the next one coming yeah, yeah, for yeah. people. So I've learned not to not to um, build everything up to the expectation to that point of delivery and then it's all gone because it, it's almost a depressive letdown. Yeah, adrenaline and, dump. Yeah, and you're like, then you struggle again for three or four months and you yeah. get back in the swing again. So yeah. basically all I'm saying is is I think I've learned a bit better balance yeah. across the whole spectrum and... Um, probably not going as hard as I did which and this day and age is a little is getting more difficult because it's getting harder and harder to fund 
yeah. and, and find funding for documentaries. Now, television mm -hmm. aren't paying what they mm -hmm. used to. And um, <coughs> we were talking before we came on here about another job that's just... The, the issues you have with, with just trying to get projects up is enormous now. Yeah. So that adds another stress to, yeah. to it, um, which... I'd, I'd, I'm glad I'm at a point now where I can handle it a bit better than yeah. I, ten years ago. That would have been yeah, you know, too much. Work. Yeah. So all I'm saying is mindfulness is I think it I think it helps balance me out in all aspects. Yeah, for sure. It's um yeah funny because I was listening to um a podcast with um Stan Grant mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. It was with um Osher Gunsberg, 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 um the guy from The Bachelor. Yep. Channel B. He's actually great. I haven't listened to many of his shows, but I listened to one. Um, it was about Australia Day and the conversation around that. It was actually pretty heavy, but um, but it was funny because Stan Grant, you know, was um, he was telling a very similar story where he just gets so engulfed in his when he, while he was coming up through his twenties and thirties, he would get so engulfed in his work that you just get so sucked in that it would <laughs> it would destroy your quality of life yeah, to a degree. It does, you know, yeah. and um, and obviously there's only so long that you can you can probably do that, I guess. So. All right, cool. Well, I, I kind of want to talk to you about um, like telling stories in general. It's one of the things that fascinates me. Um, I'm I'm a creative, I, you know. I've got a really creative family, and 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 I do this podcast. The the, the subtitle of this the the subtitle of this, of this podcast is it's bro philosophy philosophy through the eyes of an idiot. But the second subtitle is telling interesting and important stories. You know, I really think there's a lot of fascinating changes going on in the world. There's a lot of uh, important things that n need to be talked about and I don't obviously craft anything cra or, 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 or as I said plan too much of how I want the narrative to go but I just like having the conversations and so forth but for you like stories are very important but I want to I want to hear from you why you think that is like why do you why do you do what you do why do you think it's important to you why do you think it's important to society to be able to tell stories create emotions um, you know inspire, fire people up, tell fucking, you know. It's a good question. I um, never really thought of mm. that. Why? Um, I've, I, I'm just uh, in love. I've always been in love with, with storytelling and stories mm. and, um, and narrative. And, uh, so that part's easy to me. That, that part yeah. is just in, in, in me that I just love that. But in terms of why I do it, I just think, especially with a lot of, I've done a lot of sport. I, I'm, this year there's something else that I'm, I'm hoping we get funding for, which is more around um, Indigenous and mental health. But, but the sports stories, I think, are key because a lot of people, oh, you don't look back, you don't look back. Oh, I just think you have to look back yep. um, to learn. And a lot of the, a lot of the eras that, I've covered and done documentaries on and past players were those were those times when there was no coverage to the extent it is now. Mm -hmm. So I think to the detriment of future documentary storytellers, this period now is 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 not going to be great because yeah. there's such a saturation yeah, already. Fuck, 100%. You, you, you you know everything about every current player in any, oh. anything. Which you know what they ate for breakfast every morning if you want well, to go on their who Instagram. Wants to yeah. know that, you know? So yeah. so I, I I was passionate about doing that, and I was, there's still many I'd love to do because I think part of I'm veering off a bit here, but I think part of society's love and I saw a documentary the other night about um, 
come on Aussie come on mm-hmm. the, the mojo agency up in Sydney who came up with that jingle and stuff mm-hmm. and iconic yeah and I'll think back to those days and the reason we fell in love with all those players no matter who they were was because we never heard from them yeah <laughs> There was a mystique about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we miss the mystique these days. There's no mystique. Like, mm. Why do you love someone? Because you can't hear them, you can't see them, you can't touch mm. them, you know what I mean? Mm. But now they're, now they're everywhere. So I, I, the reason I think past documentaries and storytelling go so well is because people finally get a chance to hear yeah. their, their story. Yeah. Doesn't happen, doesn't happen now. But um, why is it important? Um, it's important for it's important for for us any storytelling from anyone because we're su- we're stuck in such a reality period mm. it's making us dumber mm. as a society Definitely. like well, my kids love some of these shows that are on um and I'm like, oh my god! Like, it's just, <laughs> Are you my children? I said to them two, two nights ago. As a, <laughs> we, what, as a, what, what's an example? As a family, married at first sight. Well, no, no survivor. Sorry, the Fucking one the other night they stuck on was, someone, um, getting married first on someone. Dates, oh yeah, right. Which was pretty funny. Some <laughs> bit. But um, I could only watch about eight minutes until I was just like, and I said, I actually said to us, we're, we're, we as a family are getting dumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we're devolving. Where I think if there's a narrative story, um, they're you know they're, they're taking things in, so I think it's important that that happens um but and 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 here's me espousing reality where rob won survivor oh really <laughs> so um that's hilarious so oh yeah shit. um <coughs> i shouldn't bag it that much but, <laughs> no. survivors are right survivors one of the better ones yeah. for sure well he was in the first australian survivor ever oh, made. really and he won it and he won it and that was but on channel out. nine i reckon i would have watched that back in 02 i reckon i would have watched that because i watched the first few survivors yeah so then it went to then it had a hiatus. Um, Channel Nine, I don't think it went that well ratings wise. So, so then Ten picked it up, and the Ten have now run with it for a, a number of years, mm. and they're having an all star. Which I always think, if Rob was here, I wonder if they let him go on. <laughs> yeah, because there was another the network. original. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. Um, and they never refer like, to that one when they look at history. Yeah, yeah, it's so, like it never happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah um, classic. But he won five hundred thousand. Whoa, uh, yeah. that is wild. Yeah. Far out. So, all right, cool. Well, um, so what are the, I, I know you just mentioned, so you've done a lot of sport and, you know, I understand why that's a passion. I think sport brings us all together and, and people love, there's actually a um, documentary coming out that I just saw on ESPN. Uh, I saw the preview for it like two weeks ago, or whatever, about uh, Michael Jordan and, and the Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. in the 90s mm-hmm. because Michael Jordan had that mystique, uh, mystique where, yep. like LeBron James now, I'm a big basketball fan, so LeBron James, He's got... Taco Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. He's got... He tried to trademark that. Um, he's got 60 million Instagram followers. Yeah. And he posts like a f- yeah. motherfucker like yeah. every day. Yeah. And his Instagram stories or whatever. And, y- you know, like you said, you know everything about yeah. LeBron James. Although, I'd watch a LeBron James documentary. But Michael Jordan grew up in that era where... I mean, came up and was famous in that era where you didn't have that... that, that probably only 10 or 15 years prior. But there was all this, like, there's a lot of stories around the Chicago Bulls and, 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 you know, fights. Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr punch the lights out of each other, you know, backstage. Jordan's gambling debts and and stuff to do with that, like, rumors around his retirement and, you know, conspiracy theories or whatever. And, yeah, so so I'm actually really looking forward to that um, because it is that behind the curtain, lifting the veil of, like, you know, a a story that... But but a lot of the beauty of that is, is the archive. Yeah and the access that they have to all that footage. Yeah. Uh, um, 
the, the difference here, and I find, I find it really frustrating with Australian sports to a degree, is we, A, we don't have the audience that yep. the Americans do. So um, the other thing is we don't have access to, to those archives. And as it's network-based and Fox Sports-based, for an independent filmmaker like myself, it's really difficult to navigate all those waters of yeah, archive. Right. Because I actually always wondered that. I always yeah. wondered, like, if because yeah. there's like a... There was an ESPN documentary on Drazen, Drazen Petrovic, who died like, in his prime playing NBA, mm-hmm. Serbian dude, and he was really good. Um, and there's all these, like, archival bits and pieces from, like, when he was playing at 15 in yep. Lithuania or in, in yep. a tournament. And, like, I, I actually have thought to myself on more than one occasion when I'm watching, I watch heaps of docos, I'm like, how the fuck do they find that footage? Who do you call to actually find? Yeah, yeah. So th- th- those budgets, they have to make those... Astronomical. Yeah, well, ESPN's ESPN, I guess. And it's, so, it's, it's millions, yeah, right? So, yeah. so they'll have a research department working for two years. Full on. Yeah, so they'll be out scouring everywhere for footage. Really? And, um, so it's just hustle. It's hustle. <clears> there's, not like a, there's not like a website that you guys have access to and no. you put in like, go, like a Google search for... Really? I found, as an example, just a, a, a small Australian example of this. I was talking to someone... This is a bit early, to, uh, 2012-ish, 2013. And um, I was doing a doco on some of the old grand finals. And I spoke to someone, spoke to someone else, come across a guy living out, uh, was it near Preston Way? And phoned him up. And apparently he had some old audio tapes in his garage. Mm-hmm. So, and that was only after just a bit of a week of me doing chasing. Yep. I ended up going out and having a coffee with him in his garage. And God, what a day <laughs> that was. Um, and um, <coughs> had all these reels that were recorded in 74 and 75, like the quality of like this. Full on. I still don't know how they did it. And someone back then was doing a documentary for, um, there's a few things, BBC and so forth. Yeah. No one actually knows now, because it's been so long, who owns it or whatever. Yeah, right. So I, I convinced the AFL to give me a little bit of money just to pay this bloke to get him out of his garage. Yeah. And he was... So there had to be some negotiation. But anyway, I ended up with him, so I, and I've got them. And the, the, the audio on it is the coaches, are, like Barassi and all these guys in history, are mic'd up. Full on. Walking through the change rooms. Really? Talking to the kids crying. Really? Unbelievable stuff. Ron Barassi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far out. Um, so, so a lot of that all, all, all I kind of, and I, and I released them as part of, because what I didn't want to do is just, is just, if you just put it out there, you put it out there. So I wanted to, I wanted to make a story out of yep. it. So, so I added it into the documentary story, which yep. I prefer um, to do. And that's how we weaved it in. And now there are some of those are iconic audios. That, but, yeah, classic. But, 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 that but just by chance. Really just by chance. Because someone yeah. came in and go. So they were, in America, they would do that on steroids. They'd be yeah. everywhere, you know. And they yeah. go back to childhood school teachers and, um, yep. and friends. But, yeah, I mean, see, that to me lights me up. That, that yeah. archive, that stuff that you can put into a story and craft into a, a, a narrative. I, I, that's, that's what I love to do. Yeah. Um, the problem we have here now is to do that, um, you can do it, but to do that, you need a big budget. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to go to each network and pay what they want for that footage. You need to go to Full radio on. stations and pay for what they want. The beauty with the AFL is that when it's anything AFL related with that, you tend to, it tends to fall under their umbrella. Yeah. And that's it's free a, to use. 
same with Cricket Australia. And that's yeah. kind of why I like <coughs> working with those bigger um, corporations, if you like, mm-hmm. because I know that that is going to be an avenue to be able to get to short shrift that, yeah. which means budgets can come down a bit and yeah. things like that. Um, Gives you more creative freedom, I guess. No doubt. And more they, assets to work and, with. And, and they, you know, they, they, if, someone, <coughs> if someone came out and wanted to do a documentary in Independent Now and went to Crude Australia... I think that's okay. They, they would they would charge them, but they may not. They might go. Hang on. How are you going to interpret that? See, what's happening is brand is now everywhere and everything. Yeah. So how how are you going to interpret our our yeah. IP? Is now? it going to be worthwhile? Is it going to be a negative? Is yeah. it going to be a net negative or a net net positive that's to right. Cricket Australia? So the simple yeah. answer is they just don't do it. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So they'll do their own in-house productions. Oh yeah, really? So if somebody say for example. Um, Who's your favourite documentary filmmaker, sport that you look up to? Oh man, how many are there? Um, well, anyone for an example. Though. Well, the, the Cordell in Australia, who did the initial um, uh, the, the initial Bulldogs one back in the nineties. Yep. He's continually making unbelievable documentaries in his his film. So I'd say. I'd say so so. I don't know this guy, Cordell, but but say he went to Cricket Australia and he's like, because obviously he oh, would have no, a great... Oh, no, no, no. I think, I think he'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. So I'll, surely there'd be people no, that'd be like, they've got this repu- is safe in their they've hands. they've got reputation. Martin Scorsese, for example, comes in and goes, look, yeah, yeah, boys, yeah, no. I'm making, a, I'm no, making no. a feature film about Cricket Australia. De Niro's playing bloody Alan Border. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're going to go... If you're Henry right James, Robbie. though, off the street, <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. And you walk in yeah, and you go, can you can get fucked, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what have you done, mate? There has to be that. There has to be that. Yeah, history no, fair enough. But um, but even then, you know, they'd be they'd be wary of yeah. how, and probably want to have some editorial control at the yeah, end of it. Yeah, um, for sure. But it's just becoming it's just becoming really difficult, really well, difficult. Well, that's an interesting question I haven't actually thought of. Is like, do you have when you are doing a documentary, say you don't really know what you're going to uncover. Mm-hmm. So say you do a documentary about Hawthorne in the 1980s and, and what have you, and then Dipper, Robert Domenico says some stuff that's going to paint Robert. I'm just using this as an example because, mm-hmm. you know. But say he says some stuff that it's probably worth, some stuff that doesn't paint him in a good light, or anyone for that matter, and you feel like you should use it and paint that narrative. Do you give creative control uh, sorry do you give um, what is it like right of response or like do you when you're doing a documentary and you mm-hmm. sit down and you go final cut or like or editing um, ability for what, what does that look like do you know what I'm saying you know I, I'm do, asking, I, do, I, do yeah. know I didn't saying. really uh, phrase it very well no, but I know what you're saying um, <coughs> oh yeah I get a bit precious near the end yeah I because there's two things. I know what I have and what I don't have when, when no one else does. Yeah. So when, when, when you, you might have an exec producer or something say, oh, I wouldn't have mind seeing that. Well, I don't have that. So, yeah. So I had to... So, so I, and I think any filmmaker, if there's, a, if there's a commissioning agent, if there's someone who's funding it, they obviously have a right to, to make changes and, yeah. you know, you've got to sort of sign up to that. Yeah. But... My ongoing bugbear with that is they're not filmmakers. No. They're suits. It's suits and it's more of a brand thing. And I get that. So I try to... You've got to try to massage and and end up a bit in the middle. Um, And and you have to have a compelling reason why. So so I go in with a fully armed... But someone like Dipper... 
if I think what they're saying is controversial, because often I'll, I've left so much on the floor yeah. that would be... Now, there's a documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but if, if I... Any of the people I've... In, if I think, oh, I'm going to put that in, it's, 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 it doesn't, doesn't portray him well, um, or it's a bit dodgy, I, I, I will always contact that person and yep. talk to him about it. Yeah. The last thing I'll... And I've never done this. I, I won't put anything on that people will get blindsided by um, the, the only one who really was a little bit disappointed but he's, he's okay it was, <laughs> was Justin Langer um, in the last few years back where he he was just brilliant and we're in his house in Perth and he he was sitting there and he was every second word was, was fuck yeah. right but not in a way it was just just how he speaks yeah right? yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and 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 Per capita, to p- compared to other yeah. people in the film, he probably came out with more. So his wife yeah. was really unhappy with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's <laughs> he's gone, mate. Did, did you just cut every fucking, <laughs> fucking you know? And I'm, and I'm like, well, you know. And he's like, oh fuck, I'm, like, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And and um and then uh, he was all right though. He's he's a lovely bloke. So so yeah. I think he got over that. But I think I think the other thing was when he realised that everyone else was was saying the same thing. But yeah. Um, I wouldn't go back to him for that because he didn't say anything controversial, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. the way he said it. Yeah, that's right. But um, Dermot and um, one, of, one of the ones we did was he was was very racial, very racist, yeah. and um, with Lewis from West Coast and Dermot used to was just open and honest about what he used to call him on the field. Yep. Lewis was still <coughs> bitter. Yep. Dermot was trying to say to apologise. Lewis was saying, "Well, if he wants to apologise, good on him." But you know, I mean, like it was a real back and forth but it was a compelling segment of racial yep. abuse and how Dermot has changed and yep. uh, how it still bites Lewis so I had to ring Dermot and sort of tell him it's going that way and he was you know wonderful in, in the fact that he just said you've got to you've got to run with it I need this to be you know yep. and Lewis was, was happy so what they actually did back in the day is the footy show played it before they aired it and got it, got them both in on, on a panel. Yeah. So I, that to me was I was really proud of that. Cause yeah, I, it was like reconciliation. That's right. Hundred percent. So that's great. But you've got to, again, if I'd have just dumped that. Yeah. Without both of them knowing, I, you, you you'd probably lose your reputation. You, you don't work. You, yeah, that's you know, right. No so one trusts you. No one trusts you. Yeah. And trust no, is fair, the fair biggest, biggest thing. Hundred percent. You got to get people to open up. Yeah. All right. Um, so I mean, uh, I heard you mention that you're. Um, Looking to branch out a little bit from the sport, and you've got a project that's in the works. Not obviously, but 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 I want to ask you what what is the what stories are you compelled to tell in the future? Like what do you what narratives do you see? And you're like, oh, I'd love to I would love to tell that story. What is it for you that fires you there's, up the there's, most? There's there's a couple of things that uh, again, as I'm getting older, I'm I'm shifting my uh, where I see myself going. Yeah, nearly monthly yeah <laughs> um there's a couple of things i want to do I, um are you aware of martin flanagan the writer yeah i've heard of martin yeah, flanagan yeah. so he's written a beautiful script on tom wills the first Birkin wills tom wills was the there's debatable but was the creator of afl footy or vfl oh, oh, australian rules football. Not sorry wills. not afl <laughs> australian i got told off for saying afl australian <laughs> rules football yeah um and, and had a really big say in the indigenous side of that Mung group, the game back then as well. So 
he's got a beautiful script. So my, my ultimate goal will be to make that as a movie. So that'll mm -hmm. be the next step for me to direct that. If funding's almost impossible because yep. it's not a worldwide kind of market. No, nah, we've tried, we've tried. So whether I whether I have a dip at a doco with Martin <coughs> in a different way, that's that's a passion. So we'll get there one day. It's yeah. just, it's just uh, the fundraising is difficult. Yeah. Also, there's a few other personal things I want to do. A big film on my brother. I want to yep. do which which will incorporate <coughs> trauma and grief and and try to give try to help with other examples of from other people who've been through it for people to give a little bit of a roadmap. Yeah. Um, more more in my style of filmmaking because I know there's a lot out there, but 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 to make it. People who like watching my style, yeah, I want them to be able to watch this and feel, and sort of get taken on a, on a. So that's an important one, yeah, for me. Um, there's a few, there's a few other areas that I've I've got some links in at the moment um, with with a club that we're talking about indigenous and <coughs> indigenous mental health and some of the players that what they've gone through. I'm really really passionate about that, so I'm trying to help them get that up. Um, other than that, times are changing with, with feature-length documentaries. So mm -hmm. what, my, what, what I want to do, I just know won't eventuate mm -hmm. um, without some heavy-handed investment. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of switched gears a little bit and, and made a few concepts and developed some, some really short one-minute, two-minute type series, mm -hmm. which I'm, I really like, mm -hmm. um, which is a complete turnaround for me because really, I'm really a fan of long-form storytelling. Yeah. But You've got to evolve. Yeah, people want yep. short, yep. sharp, and but yeah. they can they they don't mind, you know. Um, series of sh a series of short, sharp narratives, but it is the new way where That's we right. only we only spend eight minutes max on bloody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at uh, some of the not, stuff. On not all of us, but Netflix now. There's some of the documentaries that have again have had huge budgets, so they they've been able to do it and they'll recoup their money because it's America. But some of those docos that are, are run for nine hours. You know, yeah, World like War, World a murderer, War, World War Two, well, World War Two in color, and yeah, 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 yeah. brilliant. Making a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like, um, I actually really like Explained. Have you seen Explained on Netflix? No, it's really good. It started as one se one season, then they did a second season, and then they have done branch off. Like Explained is basically one interesting concept. Explained in fifteen to eighteen minute documentary, and um, so it might be like the um, the racial wealth gap in America was one. Um, um, medicinal cannabis was one the world's water shortage was one you know stuff like that yeah. just really interesting stuff and then they had one they did one on sex and they did one on the mind and it's like eight parts to that one so it's just a really good it's just it's just it's quite creative and it's very visceral very like oh, I don't know how to say it lots of um, it's like fuck how do I say it lots of design um, eh <sighs> Graphic elements. Graphic elements, yeah. The tell a narrative. Yeah. And, and I yeah. just really like it. I think it's just put yeah. together really well. And another one on Netflix I love is Losers, um, about uh, a sport documentary. But You mentioned before who's your... Like, from an American standpoint, an Australian, Ken Burns is, for me, the guru. Yeah. Ken Burns knows how to tell... Knows how to tell extremely long stories. Yeah. But... But not enough to bore you. Yeah. Bore you. Like so, Ken Burns. What does Ken Burns like? Because I know the name Ken Burns as well. Does Vietnam War? Yes. In the Vietnam gotcha. War, he does all those. He does all those really big historic yeah. pieces. Um, so they're like a narrative within a narrative, really, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. They're yeah. like, okay, cool. We've got forty-five or sixty minutes. 
we have to tell this, but we have to come to a crescendo. It has to have, you know... But he'll make it 10 hours. Yeah, but, but, it, but it'd be broken up, right? Broken up. Yeah, and, and but you still have to have like a little narrative within that, that first thing, right? Absolutely. So even if I make a, an hour documentary for TV here, <coughs> what people don't understand is you've got six segments, right? So you have to have a, a beginning and an end in that segment. Yeah, right. Um, so you've got to think that way all the time. So, which is more difficult than just making a 60-minute yeah, yeah. flat, flat <laughs> Yeah, you know. for sure. So TV, Fuck, doc, I never thought about TV that, docos eh? are really difficult. You've got to... You've got oh, to ad break. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, and you've so, got to have people hooked, hooked not to, not to switch and then, over. And then you have to... And the networks always love you to have coming up next. And yeah. I hate it because it's yeah. like... So I'm like... I try to end the... I try to end on a sort of crescendo ready yeah. for the next. So yeah. that's in the story. Yeah. So that's the craft of it. But Ken Burns... Ken Burns is a genius and um, I, I think I've watched nearly everything he's ever done but it, it takes hours and hours and the other thing is his, his experience and he had a relationship with PBS I think in America for, for years so he's in that lucky position that it's just it just keep rolling it out yeah so you know next year what he, so he just has to say what I'm going to do next year and he'll get the funding for yeah. it and he's, in, and, he's, and he's away so we don't have that here. yeah you know, well, you, and the other thing is here is funding for documentaries like the, the goods ones recently there yeah. was a strange dream which was done predominantly with your man Grant mm -hmm. was predominantly funded UK because mm -hmm. um, they had an international distribution so you know that was big budget the the other one that was done for four quarters four quarters yeah um, I'm not sure what it's called four quarters maybe wrong there um that was more of a half a million budget, but with Screen Australia and some investment done, mm -hmm. to, f to get Screen Australia funding for documentaries here in Australia is extremely difficult. Yeah, right. And there's a huge process. And, and I, I'm kind of proud of this point. I've done, I don't know, 20-odd feature documentaries and I haven't once had funding from Screen. Yeah. And, and I'm really proud of that um, yeah. because... We've had to scrimp and scrape. And, yeah, and you're, you've bootstrapped. Yeah, we've yeah. done it ourselves. Yep. Um, in saying that, I would love them to give me some grant. <laughs> yeah, or maybe just, just now you can sort of send me some money. Uh, but I actually haven't really... We, we've never actually applied. I, I wouldn't mind having a crack. But, but the thing, I think the system is, they'd look at me as this vigilante outsider, yeah. I think. I'm not yeah. the old... You're too, you've been too far removed yeah, for too long. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not the old school repeat uh, applier, mm -hmm. if that's a word. Um, so I think it'd take me a fair bit to get, yeah. Some <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, Peter, um, mate, I've actually really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you know, it was. Uh, I appreciate you um, being open about your brother, and and um, must be. I don't know if it's difficult, but I, I appreciate you um, letting us uh, telling that story. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's fascinating all the all the work around you know your life and what you've what you've been able to do. So, but people, if they want to know more about you and you know where your documentaries are, anything that's coming up in the future, yep. people that are pumped up about this conversation, where can they go? Um, yep. Where can people find you? www.dixonfilms.com.au is yeah, everything's there. Um, and we've tried to put everything we've a lot of what with the films we've done so you, you get to watch a lot of stuff yeah um, a lot of the films are owned by various people like Cricket Australia and stuff but there's links to go to where they are shown yeah um, and what's coming up and all that sort of stuff but yeah it's 
Particularly if anyone out there who wants to fund uh, <laughs> some films, <laughs> get in contact. But nah, I've really enjoyed it, and yeah, I, I don't. Anytime I can talk about Rob, I, I will. Yeah, it's, no, great. Yeah, it's great. Oh, no, All right, Peter. Thanks for coming on the show, and that's a wrap. Alrighty, guys. If you like that show, you can support us in a number of ways. You can climb up the um, highest mountain in your surrounding area and scream at the top of your lungs, I love Brolosophy. You can do that. Uh, You could potentially... You could go to your local hardware store. You could buy some spray paint. Um, You could go, you know, sneak out in the middle of the night, get to a really busy area. Like, say, if you're in Melbourne, you could go to Federation Square. Um, You know, if you're in LA, you can go to, like, the Staples Centre, maybe. Um, London, you could go to kind of... Where would you go? Maybe Tower Bridge. And, you know, take that spray paint and just spray paint, Brolosophy's fucking sick all over the joint. Like, fuck yeah, Brolosophy, Doc's the mad dog. You know, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, you could certainly do that. Um, you could get a rock. You could, you know, get a bit of paper and just write, Brolosophy is the best thing ever. Subscribe. And then you, you know, wait. Well, yeah, paper first. You'd have to get the paper, write that on the paper, wrap it around a rock, bit of sticky tape, maybe like big, stretchy, what are they called? You know, lucker bands. And you just, you take that rock or like a bunch of rocks and just throw it through somebody's window. Hopefully they'll subscribe to the show, um, you know, and that'll be awesome. Um, really helps grow. So anyway, so so that's one way or three ways, three good ways you can support the show. Um, yeah, and you can also support our sponsors at trueprotein.com.au. Use the code BRO for 10% off. Also head to au.yeti.com forward slash bro to check out the world's best coolers. You won't be disappointed. And head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A. Use the code BRO when you inquire and you'll be eligible for 20 hours free there. This has been Philosophy Through the Eyes of an Idiot. See you next week.